Well, I know you came hungry for God's word, and so why don't you open your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 6, the the book of Romans chapter 6. And you know, the Romans chapter 6, like any, well, like many chapters in the Bible, especially the epistles of Paul, is so rich with meaning. I mean, it's so loaded. The book of Romans is like that. (laughs) I was thinking of that great minister who's now with the Lord, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and out of, out of London back in the uh, mid-1900s and ministered. And you know, I was, if, I'm, if my memory serves me correctly, for the last 13, I think, to maybe 18 years of his life, it was a long time, every Wednesday he ministered from the book of Romans. The last 13 years of his life, ministered from the book of Romans. You know how far he got? It was like to Romans chapter 8. That's as far as he got. (laughs) Because there's so much in the book of Romans. So much in it. And so we're going to dig deep again here in in Romans chapter 6. And uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for the privilege and the opportunity to be able to study your word. And Lord, how great is your word. Lord, you said that your word is truth and your word is life. And Lord, Lord, your word is light unto us. And we just ask you, God, for your anointing this morning to minister and your anointing upon us to receive. And Lord, let the word become made real to us. And God, we just say it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, yesterday morning we were looking at the first part of Romans chapter 6 and about how Paul in the first two verses in Romans 6, 1 and 2 told them basically, don't abuse grace. That God's grace abounds over our sinfulness and because of that, don't, but don't, don't misuse that. Don't, don't misunderstand that. We looked at that. And in verses 3 through 6 of Romans chapter 6, Paul deals with our, our and the believer's identification with Christ. That we have become, through the crucifixion of Christ and his resurrection, we have become dead with him and dead to sin. Dead to the sin nature. That when he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. And when he rose, we rose. And we dealt with the sin nature and what that was. And I want to briefly deal with that again as we move forward today. And I want to deal with, for a moment, the three main events of our salvation. And I've covered this before in previous camp meetings. And one of the things I've learned over the years is don't take it for granted what you think people know. And even if you know this, you need to hear it again. I need to hear it again. You see, the ministry, uh, uh, the, the, uh, a minister has the ministry of reminding. It's the mini- I have a ministry. It's the ministry of reminding. Constantly reminding God's people of the cross. Constantly reminding God's people of what we have in Jesus. Of who we are in and of ourselves. It's the ministry of reminding. And there are three main events that we have in our salvation in Christ. They are made up of justification. That's what happened when we first got saved. We, were, we believed in Jesus. Do you remember that moment you got saved? 
whenever it was, whether young or whether old, but at that moment, the moment you expressed faith in Jesus. <laughs> I know for me, it was, in a, it was a little Sunday school room in the basement of a Baptist church in Phoenix, New York, where my Aunt Carol expressed to me, she told me the gospel, the simple gospel message. And as a little child, I believed it. I'll never forget it. I still remember the Sunday school room. I still remember the, the pictures on the wall. I still remember that moment. As a young boy, that's the moment I accepted Jesus into my heart. And at that moment, God declared me righteous in his sight. Now for you, you may have been 40. Maybe you might have been 50. Maybe you might have been 17. Whatever, whatever time it was, the moment you had faith, God declared you righteous in his sight, justified by faith, just as if you never sinned, just as if you've always, always obeyed in Christ, by Christ, through his blood, you're righteous. That was what happened when we first got saved. And at that very moment, that's when the sanctification process began. And I liken it this way, that our, the three main events of our salvation are justification, sanctification, and one day our future glorification, right? I can't wait for that time. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to the rapture. I'm looking forward to being resurrected. Praise God. That's the hope of glory that we have within us. But we have those three events, the glorification and our justification. Both of those events, they happen, boom, just like that in a spiritual second. How long is it going to take for us to be raptured, resurrected? In a moment, the twinkling of an eye, how long did it take for us to be justified? Just like that, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in a spiritual second, I say, we were justified. But in between the two bookends of our life, we have that long process of sanctification. And I say it that way because sometimes it feels like that. Like I am being sanctified. Oh, Lord, can you hurry up the process? Come on, and we do, we say that, we get frustrated with ourselves sometimes because our heart is, we want to be like Jesus. Amen? That's our heart, we want to be like him. And sometimes we can get frustrated with how slow we are being transformed. But be patient. That's real faith, being patient, waiting on the Lord, just really, and just keep on trusting him. But we have that process of sanctification. You see, and, and those are the three main events of our salvation, justification, sanctification, and one day our future glorification. Now, how does that relate to the sin nature within us, though? As we dealt with yesterday, through Adam's fall, we have the sin nature on the inside. Paul in Romans chapter 6 in particular very strongly dealt with the sin nature that you and I as children of God, as saved people, have. 17 times he used that word sin with a definite article uh, or sin and 16 of those times he has the definite article in front of it, the sin. Speaking of the sin principle that's within us. 
So how do the three main events relate to that sin nature that's within us? Well, in justification, as God declared us righteous and holy in his sight, what happened was the penalty of sin was removed from our life. And the penalty of sin is death. At that moment, we were no longer going to hell. Hallelujah. At that moment, the wrath of God was no longer over our life. At that moment, we became a a child of God, and we were no longer a child of wrath. Mm. The greatest miracle that ever took place in our life is just being saved. And it all happened because we believed in Jesus and what he did for us at Calvary. But the penalty of sin is removed. Now, in sanctification, which is a process, which is progressive, what happens is by our continued faith, By us living by faith. The just shall live by faith. By our continued faith in the same object that got us justified, we are sanctified. And in sanctification, the power of the sin nature is removed. We are the, the, the sin nature, and this is what Paul dealt with so strongly in Romans chapter 6. The power of the sin nature is no longer over our life. That's God's plan through the cross. And by our continued faith in what he did for us at Calvary, the sin nature is not reigning over our life. So the penalty of sin is removed. The power of sin is removed. That's why Paul would say in this passage, an example, Romans 6, 11, therefore reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he said, let not therefore the sin, sin, the sin nature, reign over your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. He's talking about the reign of sin in our life in the sanctification process. Do you get that this morning? That in sanctification, God's plan, as you and I live by faith in the finished work of Jesus for us at Calvary, his plan is that the sin nature not rule and not have dominion over us. That's good news. <laughs> That's really good news. <laughs> That's better news. That's better news than anything you can find in the government, right? That's better news than your favorite football team winning. That's better news than you find the good deal at Walmart. Come on now. That's better news, ladies, in a good hair day. That's even better news than a nice sale for a dress at, at, a, at a store. All right, you ladies and guys, a nice suit. That's, a, that's better news than anything else. That sin not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Sometimes I wonder, and I see this in my own self, is that we, we get over-familiarized with, with the cross and we become so familiar that we, we lose the wonderfulness of what what we have in Jesus. So sin shall not have dominion over you. That is the plan 
of the cross in our life and the sanctification process. Now one day, when the rapture takes place, when you and I are resurrected, the presence of the sin nature will be removed. Mm. (laughs) So it's penalty is removed in justification. Its power is removed in sanctification. And its presence is removed in glorification, in our resurrection. That's why we long so much for the resurrection, amen? Amen. Because every effect of sin in us, spirit, soul, and body is gonna be removed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And so those are the three main events of our salvation. And I wanted to deal with that just to make sure we all understood that. And you know, one of the things that that Paul gives us so powerfully so in Romans 6 and looking at verse uh, 2 for a moment, he said, God forbid, how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? And Paul makes that statement, we are dead to the sin, the sin, the sin nature. And in verse three through six, he expresses how that happened. He said, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus, and we dealt with that yesterday, how we are baptized into Christ the moment you and I got saved. It has nothing to do with water baptism at all. It's really spiritual baptism into Christ. It's not the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I'll go through this somewhat quickly, but there are three baptisms that are depicted in the New Testament. There is the baptism into Christ. That's that's what happened the moment you and I first accepted Jesus. We were immersed in him. Again, with one step of faith, we stepped out of sin and stepped into his righteousness. With once we were immersed in sin and in darkness and in Satan and in God's wrath before, but with one step of faith in Jesus and what he accomplished for us, we stepped out of that and stepped right into his righteousness, into his holiness, into his purity in him. And that's how God sees us now. He sees you in enveloped. Above, below, side to side, enveloped, immersed in his son Jesus. Always remind yourself of that. I'm in Christ. I'm in Jesus. I'm in Christ. And how did I get there? It was by me doing one of the... No, that's not how I got there. I got there when I just believed. Even before I said amen to the sinner's prayer, I was in Christ Jesus. Why? Because it's not through a prayer. It's by faith, by grace, through faith. We are immersed into Jesus. Paul says we're baptized in him. The second baptism is really, you could say, you could choose one of the two, but it's the the baptism with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, Matthew 3.11, that John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but he who comes after I will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. 
In Acts chapter 2, it talks about that with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's the second baptism that God has planned, designed for you and I as God's people. And then there is water baptism, Matthew 28 and verse 19, water baptism. But in in Romans 6 and verses 3 through 6, he talks about our baptism into Christ. And he said, by that baptism, we were baptized into his death. And that that is how God has dealt with our sin nature. By being baptized and immersed, spiritually speaking, into into Christ. We were immersed and we identified, we were placed in him in his death. It's an incredible thought. But that when he died, we were in him so that we died. It really is a marvelous, wonderful thought that Jesus did not die alone, but that I died in him and with him. I'm not meaning he died alone physically. He died with two thieves next to him on side. But what Paul says is that we were placed in his death. In him. Again, so when he died, we died. And Paul expresses it very strongly in this passage that through his death, by faith, we died to the sin nature. And the the idea of being dead to the sin nature and its power and its rule over our life is, is, is just that. We are dead. And you know what dead means? Dead means dead. (laughs) that means that there is no connection to it at all. Our relationship to the sin nature and its rule over our life has has been completely severed. No relationship to it at all. And, And we are dead to it. Now, Paul in this passage does not say that once we got saved that we no longer have a sin nature because we do. But we have become dead to it. And it has been rendered powerless in our life. We'll see it. Look at Romans 6 and verse 6 for a moment, if you would, please. Paul said, knowing this, that our old man, and we're going to deal with that in just a moment, is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. That, that word there, that the body of sin, the sin nature, might be destroyed, what that is referring to is that the presence And the ruling power of the sin nature that is within us through the cross is destroyed, it says in the King James. uh, Probably a better uh, understanding of that is that it is rendered powerless, made ineffective. It's unplugged. That a good way to understand the sin nature that it's like a sin factory that just keeps pumping out filth, immoral thoughts, Lust, greed, anger, violence. Again, greed, me, 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 I, 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 I gotta have it, it's for me. Satisfy me, satisfy me. Lift me up. Woo. But that, 
it, that power over our life is unplugged. I like to think of it this way, and I, I see some Bible college students in the house, and you're familiar with me saying this. It's like the sin nature in our life is like a big, angry, killer dog that's in the room, that's in our life, in a sense, that's in our yard, <laughs> you could say even in our house, a big, angry, killer dog. That dog will mess you up. What do I say a dog? Well, I just, I don't have a dog. I used to have a dog. I don't have a dog now. But I, 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 I like to run. That's what I do for my exercise. I've been chased by dogs so many times. <laughs> um, <laughs> I run over by LSU every once in a while. It's a, the loop around the LSU lakes is just a beautiful area to run. And there's this one spot. Oh, I'm, ch- I'm chasing a rabbit here for a moment. But there's this one spot around LSU lakes that the way the trees are set, that it, there's a little stump in the ground. And it sets a shadow on this little stump. And it actually looks like a dog. Oh, totally chasing a rabbit here. And every, I mean, for I don't, it doesn't do it to me anymore because I know what it is now, but I mean, I can't tell you, I, I, for so many times I used to run by that one spot and I would see that shadow and I would, my first, I would be running, I, I looked at, I was like, whoa, whoa, what's that? It's a dog. <laughs> and I've been chased by dogs so many times, I, sometimes I run with pepper spray. <laughs> anyway. That saved my life. But anyway, the sin nature is like a big killer dog in our house. But get this, through the cross and through our faith in what he did for us, through our dependence, not mental assent, but it, through our real dependence in his work and not our own. You know what happens to that killer dog that will mess you up? It is chained up and muzzled. That thing is chained up and muzzled. You ain't, you ain't causing no problems in my life. I'm going to chain you. Christ chained you up and muzzled you. And so we are, it is unplugged in a sense. It is, again, made ineffective. It's still there. You get that? It's still there. And the potential of it ruling over your life again or, or, and causing problems, the potential is still there. Why? It's because it's still there. We haven't been resurrected yet. We're still and always in a place of, uh, uh, of need. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. We need his grace in our life. We're always in that place of need and dependence upon him. So it's still there. And so we must live by faith. But by faith, it's kept in check. It's muscle that's chained up. That's what God has provided for us through the cross. That sin not reign over you. And that's what Paul was describing in this passage, in particular in that statement in verse 6, when he said that the body of sin might be destroyed, it might be rendered powerless. Now he 
main mention in this passage, and we just read it in verse six, and why don't we look at that for a moment. He says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Our old man is crucified with him. You know, Paul, in this passage and in other passages, Paul talked about the old man, and the old man is basically the old you. It's the old self. I always think of it this way. He called it the old man, but for you ladies, it's an old woman. The old us. And what that describes more than anything is the person that we were before Christ. More than anything else, it describes that person. Paul does not describe us as old men becoming new men. No, no, no. It does not describe that as a process of us becoming a new man in Christ. That's really not the way that Paul described the old man and new man. He described the old man as being put to death. That's it. And he described us now as new creatures in Christ Jesus, a new creation. We have been resurrected with Christ through what he did for us at Calvary. And he says here that our old man has been crucified with him. Crucified. Put to death the old us, that man that was under the wrath of God. That individual was put to death. Again, you're no longer going to hell. You're going to heaven. Hallelujah. Now your sins have been forgiven. You have been justified in the eyes of God. You have that position in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That word old, it's interesting, it means old. Of course, it means worn out. It means useless. It means sickly. It means rotten. That's not a pretty picture of a person who doesn't know Jesus. But that's what we were outside of Christ. Sickly, rotten, antique, old, worn out because of sin. And so God looked upon the old you with so much respect, I said that sarcastically, with so much beauty that this is what he did. He said, you know what? It, we're not, I'm not going to re- rehabilitate the old man. I'm not going to put the old man through, through therapy. I'm not going to try to talk him into being a new man. I'm not going to intellectualize the, the old man, I, I mean. I'm not going to make him intellectual. No, 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 this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put him to death. I'm going to kill him, <laughs> if you don't mind me saying. I'm going to crucify him. That's what God thinks of our old man. That's what God thinks of, the, of that who we are without Jesus. He put that old man to death. The old man, you could say, also describes really us, who we are, in which the sin nature reigns over our life. That's, it's us in whom the sin nature is reigning. That individual, that man, ladies, that woman was put to death in Christ who we were before we knew Jesus. Now for some, again, who we were before we knew Christ, we have a very clear picture of how bad we were before we knew Jesus. 
Some of you were saved at an older age and before, uh, at an older age and before you knew Jesus. Some of you were involved in drugs, right? Some of you might have been in prison. Some of you might have been involved in alcohol. You were an alcoholic. You were this. You were. You're a pervert. Just this and that. As bad as it as bad can get. But when you knew Jesus, when you know, knew Jesus, when you got saved, boom, you became new. Hallelujah. And you were saved. So you have a clear picture of the old you and the new you. But what about the person who was never all those things? What about the person, again, like myself, or many others, many of you here were saved at maybe a younger age, or if you were saved at an older age, maybe you weren't involved in all those things. But what about you if you got saved when you were, you know, eight years old? Oh, man, I tell you, before I was saved, man, I was, I was bad. Man, I was like seven years old. Man, I was on drugs. Man, I was just chasing women. And, man, I was oh, on the bottle. Man, oh, I was so bad. Man, I was bad. I was one bad seven-year-old. Man, got put in prison for three months. And No, that, that's not your testimony, right? You know, there's nothing wrong with not... There's nothing wrong with having a testimony that doesn't include all those things. Our testimony is all the same that the blood of Jesus has washed us clean from our sins. And without Christ, yes, we were under the wrath of God and on our way to hell. But because of Jesus, we have been washed clean from our sins and are, when we are on our way to heaven, hallelujah. That is all of our testimony. But get this, for that one who maybe was saved at a younger age, you know what we still need to know? We still, and ev- this applies to every, every one of us. You need to have a revelation of your own sinfulness and how bad we really are in, in and of ourselves, apart from the grace, the working, the sanctifying work of God's grace and the saving work of God's grace. I'll never forget several years ago, I was going through just one of those seasons and I was just seeing some things in my own heart. I was like, Lord, this is, I, this is not good. I won't describe what it was, but this is just not good. We all have that, right? We've all... <laughs> And it just was not good. It was sin. And I was seeing it really rain in my heart. And I was like, Lord, this is, again, this is not good. And, and I threw it all, I will, I'll be brief with it, but through it all, the Lord was using it to show me that in and of myself, I tell you what, without Jesus, I would be that. I would be, a, I would be that. Well, what's that, Brother Bob? Well, that's just none of your business. But I would be that. Just fill in the blank. That's what I would. And I, well, well, I, look back, I can look back in my own family and see some th- ridiculous things, some crazy things. Divorce rate. Just other immorality. Just other, other just things. And that's exactly what I would be without Jesus, without his work in my life. But you know what? That man or that woman, you ladies, but that man that I would be 
without the grace of God working in my life, that man was put to death in Christ. Hallelujah. Put to death in Jesus. The old man is crucified. What you were, what you are now, or could be under the reign of the the sin nature, or what you would be without Jesus. Your, Your connection to sin has been crucified with Jesus. You are a new man, a new woman in Christ Jesus. Paul said it in this passage. Oh, I'm going to go back for a moment. Look at verse, look at verse 4 for a moment of Romans 6. He says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism in the death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. You've been raised with Jesus, the old man crucified in the grave. And you've been raised up with Jesus, a new man, a new woman in Christ. Hallelujah. You know, many times, I know this is, a, this is one of the main attacks of the, of the devil against you and I as a child of God, is to minimize who we are and what we have in Jesus. To minimize it. To minimize our new life that we have in Jesus. To minimize the fact that I am a new man, a new creation in Christ. To minimize, to make that small and make my, my weaknesses and how fleshly I am huge. You, you follow what I'm saying? To make that huge so that I'll live, so that we'll live this Christian life of, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm one of those, I'm one of those Christians. Yeah, I'm one of those sad, sucking on lemons, baptizing vinegar Christians. Ah. Uh, I'm so, yeah, and sometimes we can, we can, sometimes our humility is really a wrong humility. It's a degrading of who we are in Christ. And sometimes, again, uh, uh, sometimes out of our desire to be humble, we can take it too far. And our desire to be humble, we can, yeah, I'm, I'm just a loser. I'm just a good for nothing worm, and that's all I am. And oh, I, I can't do anything. And oh, Jesus, you, you, and, but. Sometimes that can go too far. We are a new creation. We are a new man in Christ. And again, what we have in Jesus is much more than our sinfulness in our own flesh. Mm. His victory is greater than our failure. His righteousness is greater. It's much more than our unrighteousness. And we are to know, don't take me the wrong way, we are to know how weak and how frail we are because that always draws us back to Jesus. Always. We're to be humble before the Lord. At the same time, though, we are to know what we have in Christ and who we are. We are a new man raised from the dead. And again, you there might be here today and or listening by radio, watching by, the, by TV, you might say, well, Brother Bob, you just don't understand. You just don't understand how bad I got it. But get this, 
a bad day in Jesus is a whole lot better than a good day in the devil. Mm. Mm. No, 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 Brother Bob, you just don't understand. No, no, no. You, You just have to simply believe and rest in the finished work of Calvary. No, you may, don't live by feeling. Don't live by the circumstances. Don't live by sight. Live by faith. And by faith, know that you know that you know that you know that you're in Christ. The devil's a liar. Your sins have been forgiven. You are justified in this sight. Yes, you are a work in progress. Yes. Yes. But get this, I am his workmanship in Christ Jesus. I'm in him and he is working on me and I just need to believe him. I just need to trust him. And I am trusting him. You are trusting him. Mm. Believe. And so our old man has been crucified with him. And again, Paul in his epistles, he contrasts the new old man with the with the new man. And I want to go for a moment, if you would, to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. The book of Ephesians chapter 4, and beginning with verse 21 through 24. Ephesians chapter 4, 21 through 24. And Paul says this, and if you have a really good Bible, it's on page 2067. Hint, hint. He says, if so be that you have heard him, and he's talking there about our initial salvation, you heard the gospel, you received it, and have been taught by him, or that is in him, as the truth is in Jesus, verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, that is your former manner of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. I want to stop right there for a moment. Paul was saying here, again, he was, let me back up, he was not presenting a situation where we are an old man that is progressively becoming a new man. Mm -mm, Not at all. Actually, in verse 22, when he said that you put off Concerning the former conversation, the old man, that word, those words put off are in a perfect tense in the Greek, which that impl- what that means is that it is a completed action in the past with continuing results. A completed action in the past. And Paul is taking them back to what happened when they first accepted Jesus by faith. They didn't realize this. You and I didn't realize this, but at the moment you and I express faith in Christ, what happened is by faith, we put off the old man. The old man was put off. And the words put off is like just simply taking off a garment, taking off a jacket, in a sense. That it, the idea of that is that it's a, a simple, effortless work. When I just took off my jacket, I didn't have to, come on, get off me. That's a straight jacket, right? No, no, no. (laughs) 
That's how some people are approaching sin. That they're try, it's like a straitjack, and they're trying to get off of it. Trying to get it off. I'll get this sin off my life. Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to grit my teeth. I'm going to defeat sin. But you can't do it that way. It was by faith. Paul was taking them back to what happened when they first accepted Jesus. When you first heard Christ, what did you do? Again, you didn't realize this, and it was not something that we knew theologically happened. We were just accepting Jesus. But by simple faith, the old man was put off. Mm, There you go. There you go, old guy. And I wish I had two jackets here, but we put on a new man. By faith, by grace through faith, we effortlessly, no effort of ourself, the old man was put off and we put on the new man. And he says in verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, and that you put on the new man. And it really Again, should have or could have been better translated here, and that you have already put on the new man. It's the perfect tense again, the Greek, perfect tense, which speaks of a, pre, a, a completed action in the past with continuing results. The old man has been put off, and now you are a new man that is being renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's what you are now. You and I, by faith in Christ, are a new creature. It has nothing to do with how you feel. Well, I just don't feel like a new man, so therefore I'm not. Are you going to live that way? Are you going to live by feeling? No, 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 no. No, that you and I are a new man in Christ Jesus that is being renewed in the spirit of our mind. And in this passage, what Paul is really doing again is taking them back to how we first accepted Jesus, that that is the true renewal of our mind. Always approaching God the same way we came to him. By grace through faith, Lord. I've been saved for 20 years, Lord. I've been saved for 38 years, but Lord, I'm approaching you this morning. By grace, through faith, in your finished work for me. Not my performance, but your performance. That's the true renewing of our mind. Constantly being renewed in our mind. It is by grace, through faith, in what you did for me. You get that? And just like Paul said in this passage, he said that our old man, and really a good translation in verse in verse 22, was our old man at the very end, it says, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. The old man was growing worse and worse. But the picture that Paul gives us here in verse 23 and the verse 24 is our, is our new man is really, it's created in true, in righteousness and in true holiness. The end of verse 24. Our new man, you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and in true holiness. Our new man has been created. And again, that is in the perfect tense. It's already a done action. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. A new, you are not becoming 
a new man. You are a new man in Christ. That is it. It has nothing to do with how you and I feel. Now we are growing. We are growing in righteousness. We are growing in our relationship with God. But that's how God views you today. A new man, a new woman in Christ. Now get this. That all, that all took place by our faith in what Jesus did for us at Calvary. And we have that position. You're in Ephesians now. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2, if you would, for a moment. Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 5 and 6. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. And he says, even when we were dead in sins, that speaks of spiritually dead to God. He has quickened us together with Christ. It's the same thing Paul taught in Romans 6, 3 through 6. That we've been raised with Jesus. He has quickened us. You see those, that word there, together, those words together with? My brother Dan Burt reminded me of this yesterday. Has quickened us together with Christ. Together with. That's how God sees you. Together with Christ. By grace you are saved, verse six, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's how God views you. You're in Christ, seated in him. And when Paul used those words in heavenly places, it's speaking of our position that we have in Christ. This is where I'm getting at here. You realize this, that by faith, we were placed there. And by faith and what he did for us at Calvary, we are to live. The just shall live by faith, Romans 1.17. But what happens when the believer doesn't live by faith in, what, in, in Christ's performance and not, our, and not our own? What happens when the believer is ignorant of it? Doesn't understand the message of the cross, all of it, and, and lives under law and doesn't live under grace. What happens when we live under our performance and now we're not living under faith in his performance? What happens? Well, that remember that mean that mean killer dog, the sin nature? He's unchained and he's unmuzzled. And what happens is that sin nature, we're still saved. Get that. We are still a new man, a new woman in Christ. We're still a new creation. But that sin nature is plugged back in. And the sin can now have dominion over our life. Why? It's because we're not approaching God the only way that God can really be approached. And that is by grace through faith. Unmerited favor. Freely given his grace. Coming to him by grace through faith. That sin nature, without doing that, that sin nature is unplugged and can rule over our life. You know what happens when that, when that takes place? Yeah, we're a new man in Christ in regards to our position but we're living like an old man here on earth in our condition. Get that? You're still saved. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're still justified, but here in this earth, in regards to your own relationship with God, in regards to your own condition, sin is reigning over you, and so you're, you're a new man, 
in Christ, but you're living like an old man. And that's a miserable life. That's a miserable existence. Being frustrated because you want to be free from sin. But you tried and you tried and you tried and you tried. You tried this program and it didn't work. You tried that program and it didn't work. You tried maybe the 40 days. That didn't work. You added to it a little bit and you did 50 days. That didn't work. So I'm going to add, I'm going to go to another program. I'm going to listen to another preacher. And that preacher tells me something else. That you need to fast for so many days. If you do that, or if you worship for 39 minutes every morning with my special worship CD. And you can get it today on sale for $59.99. On sale today. You got to call now. And if you call now, we'll give you two for the price of one. All right, I'm being facetious here. But that preacher says that if you do that, if you follow my three-step method, then you'll walk in the spirit, then you'll have victory. And you tried that, that didn't work. And you try and you try and try and you try and there have been so many believers and I know this in my own, this has happened in my own life in the past where I almost, boy, I tell you, I came so close to just completely walking away. But there are believers today that have walked away because out of frustration, they felt in their heart, you know what, I just can't do this. What's the sense of even trying? I'm just gonna go back to my old life. I'm just gonna go back because I just, this thing, I just can't do this. I, I guess I'm not, I don't have what it takes to be a Christian. You ever said that before? I just don't have what it takes. But you see, it's not our doing that gives us victory over the sin nature that's within us. It's our faith in what he has already done. You see, law says do, do, do. Works and performance says you gotta do more, you gotta do more, you gotta do more. And the doing more may be of good things. It may be a prayer that's a good thing. Paul said to be zealous for a good thing, that's a good thing. To be zealous for a, in a good matter. It's, to be good. it's good to be zealous for prayer. It's good to be zealous for the word of God. If you're not, something's wrong. So it's good to be zealous for the Holy Spirit, for the moving of his Holy Spirit for worship. It's good, it's good, it's good, praise God. But the doing of those things is not our victory. Our victory is his victory that he won for us at Calvary, at the cross. It is finished. Hallelujah. He did it because he knew that we could not do it. He knew that we couldn't pray enough to get victory over Satan. He knew that we couldn't do enough, we couldn't perform enough to get victory over the sin nature that was within us. He knew that we couldn't, and so he loved us so much that he did. (laughs) That's the gospel. 
That's the gospel that not only saves you, but that's the gospel that sanctifies you. And that's the gospel that will one day cause you to be resurrected. Hallelujah. Glorified. Raptured. Glory to God. Mm. Not me, but him. And I want to look for a moment. Oh, I was hoping to get farther, but go back to Romans chapter 6, if you would, just for a moment. Romans chapter 6 and verse 8. And I mentioned this last night, Romans 6 and verse 8. And Paul says this. It's, 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 this verse is so easily passed over, and it's caught right in the middle of this passage. And he says, now if we be dead with Christ, he said, we believe that we shall also live with him. And live with him speaks of that resurrection life that we have in Jesus. That we are dead to sin, but we are alive to God. Alive to his righteousness. Alive to his purity. Alive to his Holy Spirit. Dead to the sin. Dead to the world. Dead to the laws and means of righteousness. Dead to Satan being our father. Dead to those things. Disconnected. Unplugged. Doesn't even exist anymore in my eyes. It's gone. That's the past. But alive to Jesus. Alive to God. Alive to his purity. Again, alive to his righteousness, to his grace. But Paul used that little word he said there, believe. He said, we believe that we shall also live with him. In that one verse, in that one, and really in those two words there, we believe is really the key to the whole thing. Because that's how we were baptized into Jesus. How? We believed. <laughs> how are we buried, crucified with him, buried with him? How are we resurrected with him? We believe. How do you live that life? We just simply believe. It's not super Christian faith. It's not, it's not faith that you'll eventually get after being saved for 20 years. I know believers can think that sometimes, like, I'll, I'll have that kind of faith eventually. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I understand the cross, but I'm not like brother so-and-so. I'm not like sister so-and-so. They really have faith in the cross, but not puny old pitiful loser me. That's a lie. Because you weren't like brother so-and-so when you first accepted Jesus. And you weren't like sister so-and-so when you were in that place when you first got saved and the power of the Holy Spirit came in and made you a new creature in Christ. You weren't like anybody else. You were you. Yes, pitiful old you. Old man you. But God put that old man to death. And now you are a new creature in him. Now you are a child of God, a child of the king. Hallelujah. And God doesn't compare you to anybody. But how did that happen? Because you believed. We believed. What do we need to do as a child of God? 
Just keep on believing. And don't accept the lies of the devil. Keep your faith in him. Keep your faith being strengthened by his word, by the truth. Keep your faith being strengthened by him, by the knowledge of what he did for you at Calvary. Let your mind be constantly be renewed. Lord, I wake up this morning and it is by grace, Lord, by faith. I don't deserve it, but Lord, I'm trusting in what you did for me. I'm righteous because of what you've done. And not what I'm about to do right now, spend some time in prayer. I'm not righteous by that. But by you, Lord, keep being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Keep being renewed. Keep being renewed. Grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's the most wonderful life on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can we pray together as we close today? Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are such a wonderful Savior to us. Lord, words cannot express how wonderful you are and how wonderful your work for us was at Calvary. Words just cannot express it, Lord. But we pray that God, by your Holy Spirit, that you would continue to give us revelation knowledge of how wonderful you are and how wonderful and powerful your work for us at Calvary is. And Lord, by your grace, may we grow in you, grow in faith, grow in grace, grow in love, grow in the knowledge of what you've done for us at Calvary. And Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, fill our hearts with your joy and your love. And we say it all in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord some praise today. Praise the Lord.